You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. the wise guys these guys know sports on this friday february the 9th in the house with your boy trey larkins from the wise guys sports show everybody remember go and follow wise guys on twitter at wise guys underscore h also on facebook wise guys and be sure to follow wise guys at instagram at these guys know sports come on in and sit it while folks we got an action jam-packed show the super bowl is upon us i'm going to preview super bowl 53 the san francisco 49ers taking on the kansas city chiefs in las vegas at allegiant stadium sunday evening in las vegas i'm gonna talk about that here in a bit also later on the show i'm going to talk some golden state warriors and the golden state warriors struggles this season they did beat the Pacers last night in Indy, but we got a lot to talk about when it comes to the Golden State Warriors and the Washington Commanders. They hired Dan Quinn last week as their new head coach. I'm going to give my opinion on whether or not I feel like the Commanders got better hiring Dan Quinn. So the number down, 513-203-8655, 513-203-8655. Five, five, that is the number to dial. Any particular topic you want to comment on, you want to call and debate with me about, you know, give me your Super Bowl prediction for Sunday's matchup between the Niners and the Chiefs, call to the show. Give me your opinion. Give me your prediction. I got a few 49er fans that's going to join me on the show this afternoon as well. So I'm looking forward to that. My man Christian Bradley and also Brian Snow of snowman in the morning want to join me a little bit later on in the show as well and hopefully my boy chris party can come on the show as well and, and give me some unbiased opinion on the super bowl because the, the people i have coming on christian and and brian they're 49er fans they are 49er fans so of course they expect the 49ers to take care of business sunday but um you know it's gonna be an action jam-packed show again 513 203 865551320386558 is the number to dial. Call in. We can talk about anything in the sports world. We begin today's show in the NBA. Despite the Super Bowl being Sunday, we starting off the show this afternoon in the NBA. And let's talk about these LA Clippers who have been balling. The L.A. Clippers right now, they sit as the number one seed in the Western Conference. They have a record of 34 in 16. And so the L.A. Clippers have been 
balling, playing at an extremely high level. And so when it comes to the Clippers, I was one of those people who had questions about this L.A. Clippers basketball team when they decided to trade for James Harden. And so when they traded for James Harden, the thing for me, from a basketball standpoint, I was wondering how could James Harden, Russell Westbrook, Paul George, and Kawhi Leonard, how could they mesh together considering all four of these players are all great individual players and have all had success on their own basketball teams in prior years. So my biggest question was how can they coexist on the court together? Because we know that in the NBA, when you have stars, you have to be able to have stars who can play together well. That's why the Miami Heat were so successful with LeBron James and D-Wade and Chris Bosh because they were able to sacrifice and you saw Chris Bosh, you know, basically take a lesser role and instead of being that number one option, Chris Bosh basically took a lesser role and became the Miami Heat's third option. And you saw D-Wade also take a step back when LeBron was in Miami because D-Wade was able to have self-awareness and he realized in order for us to reach our ultimate goals, we need LeBron James to be the best player on this Miami Heat basketball team. He's going to have to lead us. And so that's why you heard stories about how D-Wade went up to LeBron after they lost the in the first year when they lost to the Dallas Mavericks in the NBA Finals. D-Wade had a conversation with LeBron, and he said, hey, I'm going to take a back seat. I'm going to allow you to lead this basketball team. And the Miami Heat went on to win back-to-back -back NBA championships. But we've seen the Heat be able to coexist with stars. We've seen the Golden State Warriors when they were winning championships, when Kevin Durant was in Golden State. We saw Klay Thompson, Kevin Durant, Steph Curry be able to coexist as well. And so for me, though, this fit with James Harden, Russell Westbrook, Paul George, and Kawhi Leonard, it wasn't a perfect fit. It wasn't a perfect fit, but I thought one of the keys and why the Clippers are being so successful right now and been playing so well, I think something that's very underrated took place. And I, and I commend him, considering the type of career he's had. Russell Westbrook, he went to Talu, and he chose to come off the bench. And I thought that was a key for the Clippers to be able to have the type of success that they've had over the last month and a half. Russell Westbrook took a step back. He sacrificed. And to me, that was one of the main reasons why the L.A. Clippers are playing at such a high level. And I thought it was going to take something like that for the Clippers to be able to be at their best. Because Russell Westbrook, James Harden, Paul George, and Kawhi Leonard have all had individual success. But at this point in their careers, outside of Kawhi Leonard, neither Paul George James Harden or Russell Westbrook have won an NBA championship. And that's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. And another thing, too, I love about the Clippers right now, let's not forget James Harden, Russell Westbrook, Paul George, and Kawhi Leonard. They all, all from L.A. They all from L.A. I love that. I love that. So imagine if the Clippers are able to,
to cap off the season and win the first championship in Clippers history in their franchise. And considering it's all four of their main stars, they all four are from L.A. Think about that. that that's an amazing story within itself. But from a basketball standpoint, I felt like Russell Westbrook making that sacrifice, that really helped the Clippers and helped them over the last month and a half become one of the best teams in the NBA. That's number one. Number two, I thought Kawhi Leonard, the way he's been playing, he's been playing at a very, very elite level. And one of the knocks on Kawhi Leonard has been Kawhi Leonard's inability to stay healthy. But Kawhi Leonard has played in a lot of games this year for the Clippers. He has been healthy for the majority of the season. And last week, I believe, he played in a back-to-back -back for the Clippers. The Clippers had played in Miami. And then the following night, they had to go and play in Atlanta. Kawhi played in both games. And during this 30-game span, Kawhi Leonard, he's averaging 25 points per game. And he's shooting 50-50-90. So he's shooting over 90% from the free throw line. He's shooting over 50% from the floor overall. And the man is shooting at a high clip from three-point range. But he isn't alone. It's not just Kawhi. Right now, let's take a look at the L.A. Clippers and their shooting percentage from three. Kawhi Leonard, he's shooting 46% from three, that's third in the NBA. Norman Powell, he's shooting 45% from three. That's seventh in the NBA. This Amir Coffey kid, who I saw play against the Hawks the other night, he was balling. Coffey, he's shooting 44% from three. Daniel Tyus, right now, is shooting 42% from three. James Harden, 42%. Paul George, 41%. So the L.A. Clippers not only are playing at an elite level defensively as well, they're playing great from a shooting standpoint and hitting their three-point shots. They're hitting their three-point shots. And to me, if they're hitting their three-point shots, they're unbeatable. They are unbeatable if they're hitting their perimeter shots. And so I'm sitting there looking at this Clippers team. The way Paul George is, Paul George is playing, the way Kawhi Leonard is playing, and James Harden has fit in with the L.A. Clippers. Russell Westbrook has accepted his role coming off the bench. And this is another thing. If Kawhi Leonard continues to play at this level, Kawhi Leonard very well may win his first NBA MVP. He may win his first NBA MVP in his career the way he's currently playing because he's balling right now. He really, really is. And he's the main reason why this Clippers team is playing at such an elite level. Yes, they have stars in James Harden and Paul George and Russell Westbrook. But the best player on their team is Kawhi Leonard. And so far this season, Kawhi Leonard is averaging 24 points per game, six rebounds per game, and he's playing 34 minutes per game. So we've wanted to see this from Kawhi. We've wanted to see Kawhi have great regular season performances. And 
this is the thing. If he continues playing at this rate, he will be the NBA MVP. Make no mistake about it. I want to put that on record right now that when he's playing at his best, Kawhi Leonard is a top five NBA player, period. Period. He's in that conversation with LeBron James, Steph Curry, Kevin Durant, Giannis. Like, when I look at NBA players, like, I look at certain players as already established stars and already pretty much established as far as all-time rankings, right? Like, all-time greats. And to me, I think Steph Curry is already established. LeBron James is already an established all-time great. Kevin Durant is already an all-time established great. Giannis is already an all-time established great. Kawhi Leonard is also in that conversation. He just never had the regular season success that Giannis, Kevin Durant, LeBron, and Steph has had in his career. That's the only difference. Kawhi Leonard is big time. And he's one of the best two-way players in NBA history. He defends. He defends. And not only that, though, this is another thing that makes me feel like the Clippers could represent the West in the NBA Finals this year. The best coach in the NBA is Tyron Lue. Tyron Lue is the best coach in the NBA. You look at Tyron Lue. Since he's been a head coach in the NBA, he is 261 and 186. So he's won 58% of his games. But he won an NBA championship with the Cleveland Cavaliers in 2016. And everyone gives credit to LeBron James and Kyrie Irving for the Cleveland Cavaliers overcoming a 3-1 deficit in the finals. But we have to remember Ty Lue was the head coach of the Cleveland Cavaliers and a part of the reason why they overcame a 3-1 deficit in the NBA finals. He's the best coach in the NBA. I know Greg Popovich has won multiple NBA championships. I know Eric Spolstra has also won multiple NBA championships. But I'm taking Ty Lue over Eric Spolstra and Greg Popovich currently. Eric Spolstra is close, though. He is close. He is very close in this conversation when it comes to the best coach in the NBA. But I'm probably going to take Ty Lue over Eric Spolstra slightly, slightly. But the Clippers are well coached, and they have a top five player when he's playing at his best in Kawhi Leonard. And when I look at the rest of the teams right now in the Western Conference, outside of the Denver Nuggets, there's no other team I feel like can beat the Clippers in a seven-game series in the West. I think the Oklahoma City Thunder have tremendous promise, but they are young. They breath smell like Similac. They're young. They're not ready for the bright lights in the NBA playoffs. Okay, the Minnesota Timberwolves. I don't trust Minnesota. Carl Anthony Towns, he's inconsistent. I love Anthony Edwards, but Carl Anthony Towns is inconsistent. Rudy Gobert sometimes can be bullied in the interior, so I don't trust the Minnesota Timberwolves. So outside of the Denver Nuggets, to me, there's no legitimate threat to the L.A. Clippers. And so right now, the Clippers are by far by far the best team, not only in the city of L.A., but in the NBA, especially in the Western Conference right now, especially in the Western Conference. I'm not ready to say they're going to beat the Celtics. 
I'm, everybody knows I like the Celtics. I think a Celtics-Clippers NBA Finals would be a great, very, very great, great series. Seriously, I think it would be a great series. But I think the Clippers are definitely trending in the right direction. And this is the Clippers since December 1st. Since December 1st, and they did lose a few nights ago to the Pelicans. But since December 1st, the Clippers, they are 26-5. and five. That's ranked first in the NBA. They are shooting 51% from the floor. That's ranked first in the NBA. And they're shooting 42% from three-point range. That also is ranked first in the NBA. That's the best record over a 31-game span in franchise history. So, to me right now, the three best teams in the NBA are the Boston Celtics, Denver Nuggets, and L.A. Clippers. And the Clippers and the Nuggets in a seven-game series in the Western Conference Finals for the right to go to the NBA Finals, it, it will be epic. It will be great, great basketball. Because I do believe the Nuggets, the reigning NBA defending champions, they still deserve to be viewed as the favorites until further notice. They still deserve to be viewed as the favorites. But the, the L.A. Clippers definitely have the ingredients to be a true championship contender. When you got Kawhi Leonard, a top five player on your team, and you have the best head coach in the NBA, in Ty Lue, I like your chances as a basketball team. And I think the Clippers have a legitimate chance to represent the Western Conference in the NBA Finals and can compete with the Celtics for sure, for sure. But that, that, that Nuggets-Clippers NBA playoff battle, it, it, it'll be epic for sure. It'll be epic. But uh, shout out to the LA Clippers. Shout out to Kawhi Leonard and Ty Lue. They are balling, and they playing some great, great basketball right now. And I can't even forget about Norman Powell either. I, I brought up Russell Westbrook, James Harden, Paul George, and Kawhi Leonard. Can't forget about Norman Powell. Norman Powell, he's playing great. He's a tremendous scorer off the bench, and to me, he, he's fearless. He, he's fearless, similar to Jamal Crawford and his role with the Celtics when he was in the NBA playing for the for the, for the Clippers, Jamal, Jamal Crawford, he was that sixth man that the Clippers needed. That's the role that Norman Powell is playing right now. That's his role, and he's playing some great basketball as well. So Clippers can definitely win the NBA championship this year. It's possible. Everybody go follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. I'll be right back. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. And welcome back to Wise Guys. These guys know sports. Here live on the Worldwide Sports Network. And remember to go follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. Let me sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram at These Guys Know Sports. Remember the number to dial, 513-203-8655. 513-203-8655. That is the number to dial. Any particular topic you want to discuss, 
we can talk about it on the show this afternoon. Let's transition. Let's go to the NFL and let's talk about Super Bowl 53. It's the San Francisco 49ers favored by one and a half point taking on the Kansas City Chiefs. It's a 6.25 p.m. kickoff in Las Vegas at Allegiant Stadium. The over-under for this matchup is 47.5. This is the fourth Super Bowl appearance for Patrick Mahomes. It's the first Super Bowl appearance for Brock Purdy. The 49ers as a team, it's their eighth Super Bowl appearance. That's tied for the second most all-time the Chiefs are seeking to be the first repeat champion since the 2003-2004 New England Patriots. And Andy Reid and Kyle Shanahan, they are the fourth pair of coaches to meet in two Super Bowls. Chuck Noll and Tom Landry met twice. Jimmy Johnson and Marv Levy met twice. Tom Coughlin and Bill Belichick also met twice. And Tom Coughlin... Jimmy Johnson and Chuck Knoll each won both meetings. So if you are a Chiefs fan, that bowls well for your chances. Remember, the Chiefs beat the 49ers a few years ago in the Super Bowl. So as I preview this matchup, first and foremost, let's talk about the spread. Vegas has the 49ers favored by one and a half point. But to me, I don't feel like the 49ers deserve to be favorites in this game. Now, all season long, all season long, the 49ers have been favorites in every game they've played in this year. They played in, obviously, they played in 17 regular season games, and they played in two playoff games against the Packers and Lions, and they've been favored in all 19 games this year. But to me, going into this Super Bowl, I don't feel like the 49ers deserve to be favored because I feel like the Chiefs have played better than the 49ers have played so far in the playoffs. You look at the Kansas City Chiefs. In the playoffs, they beat a Miami Dolphins team that has an elite offense, okay? They got Tyreek Hill. They got Jaden Waddle as well. They blew them out, essentially, in Kansas City. They followed that up. They go to Buffalo, and they beat Josh Allen, a top-five quarterback in the NFL, in his house, and then they went to the AFC Championship game, and they beat the NFL MVP in Lamar Jackson, also in his house. So, to me, when you compare the two teams and their runs to the Super Bowl, I've been more impressed with the Chiefs' run than the 49ers' run because the Chiefs have been on the road in their last two playoff wins. And they've beaten Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson, two quarterbacks most people recognize as top five quarterbacks in the NFL. So I've been more impressed with the Chiefs' playoff run more than the 49ers' playoff run. Therefore, I feel like the Chiefs should have been favorites going into this matchup. But this is the thing. If you are a Chiefs fan, you should be happy that the 49ers are favorite because the last three times we've seen Patrick Mahomes as an underdog, he's won all three matchups. All three matchups. It happened last year 
in the Super Bowl. Mahomes and the Chiefs, they were plus 1.5. So they were a point and a half underdogs against the Philadelphia Eagles. Chiefs beat the Eagles 38-35 in the Super Bowl. In the division around this year, the Chiefs were underdogs. They were dogs by two and a half points to Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills. Chiefs beat the Bills 27-24. In the AFC Championship, a game most people said the Ravens would win, including myself, and some people even went far as to say the Chiefs would get blown out. The Ravens were favored by four and a half points against the Chiefs. Chiefs beat the Ravens 17-10 in the AFC Championship game. So the last three times we've seen Patrick Mahomes as an underdog, he's won all three times. All three times. So, hey, if you're a Chiefs fan, you're happy that Vegas has the 49ers favored in this matchup. Now, let's start off with the 49ers as we preview the Super Bowl. The 49ers... They have five Super Bowl wins in their franchise history. They are trying to tie the Steelers and the Patriots for the most Super Bowl wins. The Steelers and Patriots have six Super Bowl wins apiece. The 49ers have five Super Bowl wins. The Cowboys have five Super Bowl wins. Giants, Packers got four Super Bowl wins. Now, the 49ers, their quarterbacks in the Super Bowl. Remember. The 49ers, they never lost under Joe Montana. Not one time. Joe Montana was 4-0 in the Super Bowl, and Steve Young also won when the 49ers reached the Super Bowl when he was their quarterback as well. But the last two quarterbacks have not been able to get the job done for the 49ers. That's been Colin Kaepernick and Jimmy Garoppolo. So Brock Purdy has an opportunity to put himself in that conversation as far as having a Super Bowl win as a 49ers quarterback with Steve Young and Joe Montana. So that's something to keep an eye out on. And so when I look at the San Francisco 49ers, right, all season long, I have been critical of Brock Purdy. I have called Brock Purdy a game manager, and I have said, and I still feel like this, but Brock Purdy has shown me something in the last two weeks. But to me, when I look at the 49ers as a team, I understand why you have people like Cam Newton who say that Brock Purdy is the 10th best player on this 49ers football team. Because even in his own offense, right, offensively, they got Christian McCaffrey. You got Debo Samuel. You got George Kittle. You got Trent Williams, okay? You got Brandon Ayuk as well. And they are led by Kyle Shanahan, who's their offensive coordinator slash head coach, who's calling the plays. And we know Kyle Shanahan is a genius as a play caller, right? So even on his own offense, Brock Purdy's not the best player offensively for the 49ers. Let's look at the defense. Defensively, you got Nick Bosa. You got Ari Garmstead. You got Fred Warner. You got Drake Greenlaw as well. So I understand why Cam Newton and others feel like Brock Purdy is a game manager and has resources as a part of the reason why he's having success. Okay? I get it. I still don't feel like Brock Purdy is an elite quarterback. I don't. 
Okay, I do not feel like Brock Purdy is an elite quarterback. But that doesn't mean that Brock Purdy is a scrub. Because I thought, I'm going to be honest, I thought during the regular season, even though he was balling, he was balling during the regular season. You look at his numbers in the regular season. Brock Purdy, 31 touchdowns, 11 interceptions, 4,280 passing yards. He completed 69% of his passes. In the MVP conversation, majority of the season, I was saying, at best, Brock Purdy is an average quarterback. At best. But I have to admit, after trailing by seven to the Green Bay Packers in the division around in the playoffs and trailing by 17 to the Detroit Lions in the NFC Championship game, Brock Purdy proved to me he can bring his team from behind and win football games. That was my question for Brock Purdy. Like, if the 49ers trail in the playoffs, can he overcome deficits for the 49ers to reach the Super Bowl? And he did it twice. He did it twice to two good teams in the Green Bay Packers and the Detroit Lions. Okay? So he showed me something. He definitely showed me something. This is Brock Purdy in the second half of the NFC Championship. Because remember, he struggled in the first half. In the second half of the NFC Championship, Brock Purdy, he went 13 of 16. He threw for 174 passing yards, had 49 rushing yards, one touchdown, zero interceptions. His passer rating was 132.8. He was great in the second half. Now, here's the thing, though. Even though I'm giving Brock Purdy credit for bringing the 49ers back, from a 17-point deficit. I'm giving him credit for that. I'm also mindful enough to understand that pass that he threw to Brandon IU, like on that drive when they scored a touchdown and cut the Lions lead to seven, that was an interception. That was an interception. And in the Packers game, I'm still, I still haven't gotten over what happened in the division around the playoffs because the Packers had countless, countless opportunities to catch interceptions, and they didn't catch the football and Brock Purdy basically got by. He got by. Like, he got by. Like, he survived the Packers not catching countless interceptions. Keyshawn Nixon had an interception. Darnell Savage had an opportunity for a pick six. An opportunity for a pick six in the first quarter. If Darnell Savage catches that interception and goes the other way, Packers go up 10-0. Completely different ball game. Completely different ball game. And then in the NFC Championship game, again, the drive when they cut the lead to seven, when he threw that pass to Brandon Ayuk, he overthrew Brandon Ayuk. That was an interception. It was an interception. And I couldn't believe the defender didn't catch the football. It reminded me of the NFC Championship game. This was on, in the flip reverse for the 49ers. Remember in, in the NFC Championship game, 49ers, Rams, in L.A., and Matthew Stafford just, just throws the ball up, just throws a prayer. And the 49ers defender, he had the football right in his hands. It was almost like a putt. It was almost like a putt. But it's the reason why these defensive backs play defense and don't play receiver on offense. And so we could talk about all day long about how the Packers and the Lions had opportunities to catch interceptions that Brock Purdy threw their, their way, but it didn't happen. And we live in a world where Hey, the reality is Brock Purdy overcame a seven-point deficit 
and beat the Packers in the division around in the playoffs, and he overcame a 17-point deficit and beat the Lions in the NFC Championship game, and that's what's going to be remembered in the history books. And he's in the Super Bowl. And he is by far the best quarterback that Kyle Shanahan has ever had in this 49ers system, for sure. He's a significant upgrade over Jimmy Garoppolo. And I will say this, because last time the 49ers were in the Super Bowl, right, the 49ers were up 20-10 to 10 in the Super Bowl against this Chiefs team, right? And the Chiefs, they scored 21 straight points, and Jimmy G could not make the necessary throws to get the 49ers to the finish line. I believe Brock Purdy can make those throws. I believe Brock Purdy can make the throws in this year's Super Bowl that Jimmy Garoppolo couldn't make previous when the Chiefs played the 49ers in the Super Bowl. I think Brock Purdy can make those throws, and I think he's going to have to do that in order for the 49ers to have a chance to win this game for sure. But um, you look at Brock Purdy. This was in the second half against the Lions in the NFC Championship game. He threw for over 150 yards. He rushed for over 45 yards, completed 80% of his passes, averaged 10 yards per rush, had zero turnovers. No other quarterback in the last 30 years has done all of that in a single half, regular season or postseason. So he had a great, great performance in the second half against the Lions for sure. But this is the thing. With Brock Purdy, as great as Brock Purdy played in the second half against the Lions, we all know. In order for the 49ers to win the Super Bowl, the best player on the 49ers is Christian McCaffrey offensively, and he has to deliver for the 49ers to have any chance to win this game. Make no mistake about it. In order for the 49ers to have a chance to win this game, they're going to need a great performance for Christian McCaffrey, who I believe got snubbed from the NFL MVP. I love Lamar Jackson. I love Lamar Jackson, but you can make a legitimate argument that Christian McCaffrey could have won NFL MVP this year. Christian McCaffrey is the undisputed best player on this 49ers football team. Seriously. And I think he's been the key for them during this Super Bowl run. He really, really has. And we saw McCaffrey all season long play at an extremely high level. You look at Christian McCaffrey during the regular season, 272 carries, 1,459 rushing yards, 14 touchdowns. He averaged over five yards per carry. One thing you can bet on for certain in the Super Bowl is Christian McCaffrey will have a touchdown. Christian McCaffrey will have a touchdown, whether it's rushing or a receiving touchdown, he will score in the Super Bowl. I felt like John Lynch, the general manager for the 49ers, him trading for Christian McCaffrey, it might have been the best trade the 49ers have made in the last 10 years. Seriously. That was a steal from the Carolina Panthers to the 49ers when it came to Christian McCaffrey. And so I think he's the best player in this offense, and he's the catalyst for them to have a chance to win this football game. Now we all know offensively, the Niners, they have Debo Samuel. They have Brandon Ayuk, okay? They got George Kittle, who I believe is the second best tight end in the NFL. George Kittle is a great tight end. Only problem is 
the best tight end in the NFL is on the other side, and that's Travis Kelsey, who's arguably the best tight end in NFL history. But George Kittle can hold his own, and he contributes in this 49ers offense. You look at George Kittle, 65 receptions, over 1,000 yards receiving this year. He had six touchdowns during the, the regular season. And I thought George Kittle had some key moments in the divisional round against the Packers. In that game, George Kittle, four receptions, 81 receiving yards, one touchdown. So I thought George Kittle had some moments in the NFC divisional round against the Packers that helped them beat the, 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 the Green Bay Packers. George Kittle had some, some great moments for sure. Defensively, I haven't really been impressed with the 49ers. And this is the thing. When it comes to the two defenses, and I'm going to get to Patrick Mahomes in a bit. Chiefs fans, relax. I'm going to talk about Mahomes here shortly. But when I look at the 49ers defense compared to the Chiefs defense, the 49ers defense is more name brand. But from a production standpoint, the Chiefs have been the best defense between the two teams. They have. You look at the Chiefs defensively in the playoffs. Opponents are averaging 14 points per game. The Chiefs have four takeaways as a defense, and opponents are only converting on 30% of their third downs against this Chiefs defense. And I thought in the AFC Championship game, Steve Spagnola coached circles around Todd Munkin. Todd Munkin is the offensive coordinator for the Baltimore Ravens. Steve Spagnola coached circles around Todd Monkey. It was a mismatch from a coaching standpoint. It really, really was. And when you look at Steve Spagnola as a defensive co coordinator, Steve Spagnola is now tied with Dick LeBeau for the most Super Bowl appearances as a defensive coordinator. And the one thing I love about the Chiefs, when you look at Andy Reid, because Steve Spagnola is at an older age and not really looking for a head coaching opportunity, this benefits Andy Reid and the Chiefs because they don't have to go out there and look for a defensive coordinator. Steve Spagnuolo is right there in the building, and he isn't going anywhere. He's not going anywhere. You know, you look at these teams who have these great coordinators. Look at the Eagles last year. They had Nick Sirianni as their head coach, but they had striking as their offensive coordinator, and they had Gannon as their defensive coordinator. Both striking and Gannon left for head coaching opportunities. Steve Spagnuolo isn't going anywhere. And so his experience in these big games, it really, really holds a lot of weight. It really, really does. It, it does. And again, I think the 49ers, from a personnel standpoint, they have better personnel than the Chiefs defensively. Defensively, the 49ers, they got Chase Young up front. You got Nick Bosa. Okay? You got Ari Armstead as well. You got Javon Hargrave. Okay? At linebacker, you got arguably the best linebacker in the NFL in Fred Warner. You got Drake Greenlaw as well, okay? And in the secondary, you got all-pro cornerback Chadarius Ward. So from a personnel standpoint, the 49ers have the better personnel between these two teams, but the Chiefs have produced much better. I felt like the Packers and the Lions, they had their way against that 49ers defense. They really, really did. I thought Jordan Love and Jared Goff both had success against that 49ers defense. 
So Steve Wilkes, the 49ers defensive coordinator, he's going to have to figure some things out from a defensive standpoint because I thought the Packers and the Lions had success against the, the 49ers in the division round in the NFC Championship for sure. They definitely had success. Now, let's talk about the Chiefs, and let's go by the numbers, shall we? The Chiefs, they have 89 wins, including the postseason, since 2018. That's the most by any team over a six-season span in NFL history. The Chiefs have 14 postseason wins since 2018. That's the most by any team over a six-season span in NFL history. The Chiefs are the third team with four Super Bowl appearances in a five-season span. They joined the Patriots, who went to the Super Bowl during the 2014 through 2018 seasons and the Bills, 1990 through 1993. And the main reason why the Kansas City Chiefs find themselves in their fourth Super Bowl in five years is because of none other Patrick Mahomes. Let's look at Patrick Mahomes' numbers. This is since the Chiefs lost to the Bengals in the 2021 AFC Championship game. These are Patrick Mahomes' numbers. The Chiefs are 6-0. Mahomes has 11 touchdowns, zero interceptions. He is averaging 259 total yards per game, completing 70% of his passes. His pass rating is 107.6. He's the first ever to go six straight playoff games with no interception. Patrick Mahomes. Let's look at Patrick Mahomes' playoff all-time ranks as well. Patrick Mahomes, touchdown to interception ratio, 39 touchdowns, seven interceptions. Bats ranked first all-time. Patrick Mahomes averages 309 total yards per game. Bats ranked first all-time. Patrick Mahomes completes 67% of his passes in the playoffs. Bats ranked first all-time. His passer rating is 106.3. That is also ranked first all-time. And he has won 82% of his games since he's been the quarterback for the Chiefs. That also is ranked first all-time. And remember, this is among all quarterbacks with 10 or more starts. So Patrick Mahomes has been sensational and he is on a greatest of all time trajectory. He really, really is. And again, I said this last week on the show that it's been a struggle for me accepting and acknowledging Patrick Mahomes' greatness because I'm an Aaron Rodgers fan. And I feel like Aaron Rodgers should have two Super Bowls on his resume. I feel like the Packers have been close and we haven't been able to get over that hump. And I had to finally admit it a few weeks ago, and I'm going to say it again. Patrick Mahomes is a better playoff performer than Aaron Rodgers was, period. That's what these games come down to. How does your star quarterback perform when the lights are at its brightest? And when the lights have been at its brightest, Patrick Mahomes has delivered. He's delivered time and time and time and time again. And I had to just acknowledge his greatness. 
I mean, he's been the starting quarterback for the Chiefs for six years, I believe. He's been in the AFC Championship game all six years. All six years. And four of those six years, the man's been in the Super Bowl. This is unprecedented territory that we're in right now. And I'm looking at Patrick Mahomes. Dare to compare Patrick Mahomes' first seven seasons in the NFL compared to Tom Brady's, right? Tom Brady in his first seven seasons, 82 and 26. Patrick Mahomes, 87 and 25. Tom Brady, he averaged 225 passing yards per game. Patrick Mahomes averages 296 passing yards per game. Tom Brady in his first seven seasons had three Super Bowl titles. Patrick Mahomes has two, but he may have three by the end of the weekend. So this trajectory that he's on, he's trending towards being the greatest of all time. I don't give a damn about if he doesn't win seven Super Bowls because I consider everything, right? And I know Tom Brady, yes, he's the most accomplished quarterback in NFL history, but there's a lot of factors that go into that. Bill Belichick is the greatest coach of all time, but we can't forget about Spygate, Deflategate with the Patriots. We ain't heard nothing like that when it comes to Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs at all, at all. And another thing, Bill Belichick only won Super Bowls with Tom Brady, right? But remember Andy Reid. Andy Reid as a head coach, when he was in Philly, he never won a Super Bowl. Never. And all of a sudden, now that he's in Kansas City, he's in a position to win another Super Bowl as a head coach. You think it's a coincidence? It's not a coincidence. Andy Reid didn't become a better coach once he went from Philadelphia to Kansas City. Andy Reid has always been a great coach. But now that he has Patrick Mahomes, that's why he's now winning football games as a head coach. And I can't say enough about the, the job that he's done leading this Chiefs football team. And Patrick Mahomes has done a great job as well. And offensively, when I look at the Chiefs, remember, the Chiefs were struggling during the regular season. There were moments during the regular season where people were saying there's no way the Chiefs make the AFC Championship game, let alone the Super Bowl. Everyone was counting out the Chiefs. They really, really were. And playoffs come around. Here comes Travis Kelsey. Travis Kelsey against the Baltimore Ravens in the AFC Championship game. 11 targets, 11 receptions, 116 receiving yards, and a touchdown against the Ravens in the AFC Championship game. And against the Bills in the division round playoff game, Travis Kelsey, five receptions, 75 receiving yards, two touchdowns. And so as much as Travis Kelsey had moments during the regular season where he didn't really seem engaged and his production wasn't at a level that we were accustomed to seeing it at, Travis Kelsey has made up for it in the postseason. Chiefs fans, Travis Kelsey has made up for his lackluster performance in the regular season. He has been spectacular in the playoffs. And he's the greatest tight end of all time. Seriously. And the quarterback tight end connection between Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey, it's the best all time. It's the best all time. And he's playing at a very, very high level. He really, really is. This is going to be a great Super Bowl. I think, to me, when it comes to pressure, I feel like the 
quarterbacks, Brock Purdy, Patrick Mahomes, right? I think Patrick Mahomes has more pressure than Brock Purdy simply because of how great Patrick Mahomes is. Patrick Mahomes, he's not necessarily chasing anything right now when it comes to quarterbacks in the NFL. He's the best quarterback in the NFL, period. So he's not chasing or trying to, to, to compete with other quarterbacks who are currently playing. Tom Brady, Joe Montana, these are the quarterbacks that Patrick Mahomes is currently chasing. Okay? He's not, he's already proved to be the best quarterback in the NFL. He's chasing the Tom Brady's of the world, the Joe Montana's of the world, the Terry Bradshaw's of the world. So to me, he has more pressure on him, more so than Brock Purdy, considering his status and what he's already accomplished so far in his career. Because the man, if he wins the Super Bowl this year, he'll have three Super Bowls and more than likely three Super Bowl MVPs in his first six years. In his first six years. I mean, that within itself to me is pressure considering you're chasing Tom Brady. You're chasing Joe Montana. Brock Purdy doesn't have that pressure because Brock Purdy has already overachieved. He's already overachieved considering he was Mr. Irrelevant, the last pick of the NFL draft, and he's in a position to win a Super Bowl. No matter the outcome, Sunday in Las Vegas, Brock Purdy has already had a successful NFL career so far uh, from, from the standpoint of where he came from. That's what I'm, what I'm talking about. From where he came from, he's already had a, a nice career so far. Getting to the Super Bowl, that's, this, that's a great accomplishment for Brock Purdy. Like, and, and, and this is the thing. If Brock Purdy plays bad in the Super Bowl, we're going to say on Monday, okay, it happens. If Patrick Mahomes plays bad in the Super Bowl, we're going to be shocked. Therefore, Patrick Mahomes has more pressure on him compared to what Brock Purdy has on him as far as pressure goes. But to me, it's the opposite with the two teams. The 49ers have significantly more pressure on them to win this Super Bowl than the Chiefs. The Chiefs are, in a way, as a team, as a team, they're playing with house money. They're playing with house money. No one expected the Chiefs to be in the Super Bowl this year. They're playing with house money, and they're a young football team. They're, they're young. Rasheed Rice, McDuffie on the other side of the football. Bolden, they are young. They're young, and they're up and coming. So to me, the 49ers have a lot of pressure. The 49ers, they, Kyle Shanahan, he doesn't want to lose another Super Bowl to Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. Kyle Shanahan already lost a 28-3 lead in the Super Bowl against Tom Brady and the Patriots. He was the coordinator, but he lost a 25-point lead in the Super Bowl, and he lost a 10-point lead last time the Chiefs played the 49ers in the Super Bowl. A 10-point lead with seven minutes left to go in that game, and they lost. So Kyle Shanahan has a ton of pressure on him. The 49ers as a team have a ton of pressure considering they have a lot of veterans on this team. Their Super Bowl window is right now, right now. At some point, you're going to have to pay Brock Purdy. He's going to want some money and want to get, want to get paid. Brandon Ayuk may not be around much longer, and he's a solid number two in this 49ers offense. Christian McCaffrey is starting to get up there in age. Okay, Debo Samuel and George Kittle, they take a lot of hits. 
Debo Samuel and George Kittle, they're not the type of players who shy away from contact. They embrace contact. I think the 49ers window is now. And I think they're the, the Chiefs are playing with house money. But with all that being said, I believe that Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs, they will beat the San Francisco 49ers in Super Bowl 53. And Patrick Mahomes will win a third Super Bowl and a third Super Bowl MVP. I'm going Chiefs 28, 49ers. 21. Everybody go follow Wise Guys on Twitter. I'll be right back. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. And welcome back to Wise Guys. These guys know sports. Here live on the World Wise Sports Network. Everybody remember to go and follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. Be sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram at These Guys Know Sports. Come on in and sit a while, folks. We've got a few more topics we're going to get into. It is the Super Bowl edition of Wise Guys today. So call into the show, 513-203-8655. Give me your predictions. For the big game. Let's transition back to the NBA. And let's talk about the Golden State Warriors and Klay Thompson. As Klay Thompson has been struggling, folks, with the Golden State Warriors. In the Warriors win the other night against the Brooklyn Nets, Steve Kerr, he benched Klay Thompson for the final seven minutes of the Warriors' win against the Nets. Here's Klay Thompson discussing what's been going on recently with his struggles and the Warriors. Take a listen. I got best game five of the finals. Who the f- cares? Well, I haven't asked that yet, but I will now. You know? Huh? I said I haven't asked it yet, but I... I oh, can't. you feel like you're about to. So yeah. I answered it for you. Already. Uh, I mean, you obviously you didn't close tonight. That's obviously going to be a story. I mean, that's all good. Yeah, these guys played great. Gabe played great. DP, Jonathan. In a day, winning trumps all. Is this is this an adjustment period for you a little bit? I mean, he's done it a few games, obviously. Yeah. Kidding me? Go from you know one of the best players. It's hard for anybody. I'll be honest with you. That was Clay Thompson in the immediate aftermath of the Warriors' win over the Nets a few nights ago in Brooklyn. The Warriors did beat the Pacers last night in Indiana, but Klay Thompson was out with a illness. So when I look at the situation involving Klay Thompson and the Golden State Warriors, first and foremost, I want to give Klay Thompson his flowers. Klay Thompson... For his career, he averages 17 points per game on 42% shooting from the floor. He is one of the greatest three-point shooters in NBA history. And when you look at the Golden State Warriors during their dynasty, Steph Curry 
was a great and still is a great three-point shooter. And Steph Curry, he is the best player on the Golden State Warriors currently, and he was the best player outside of when Kevin Durant was in Golden State. He was the best player for the Golden State Warriors during their dynasty. Outside of when Kevin Durant was there, it's always been Steph Curry. But when I hear teams play, and I hear them talk about when they play against the Warriors, I always hear teams always say that, you know Steph is going to get his, but the Warriors become unbeatable when Klay Thompson gets hot. You know, because Steph is consistent, okay? Steph Curry is the greatest shooter God has ever created, okay? And he's a top 10 player of all time. He's definitely a top three player in this generation. But when the Warriors have Klay Thompson going, they are unbeatable. That's what teams say when they play against the Golden State Warriors. And so Klay Thompson, with Steph Curry, they have established the greatest shooting backcourt in NBA history. And Klay Thompson deserves some of that credit for their success during their dynasty. But as great as Klay Thompson was in the past, Klay Thompson is no longer the same player now compared to what he was before his injuries. And we have to start being honest about this stuff. He tore his ACL. And then he also ruptured his Achilles. And I feel like those injuries have derailed Klay Thompson. And Klay Thompson hasn't been the same player over the last three years. I thought the last we saw of Klay Thompson still being elite was when the Warriors beat the Celtics in the finals a few years ago. And even in that finals, he was the third best player on the Warriors because it was Steph, Andrew Wiggins, and then Clay. And so I feel like Clay Thompson's best days are behind him. You look at Clay Thompson and his points per game by month this season. October through November, he was averaging 16 points per game. In December, he averaged 18 points per game. And then in January, he averaged 20 points per game. And now in February, he's only averaging 13 points per game. So he took a step back in the month of February. And we're only a few days into February. But when you watch Klay Thompson, he doesn't have the same burst that he once had. Now, he was never a great athletic player to begin with, in my eyes. I always thought Klay Thompson, again, was a great shooter. But he also could defend. He can't defend anymore like he once could during the Warriors dynasty when they were winning championships I'm talking about even before Kevin Durant arrived in Golden State when I looked at the Warriors best defenders I thought about Draymond Green I thought about Andre Iguodala and I also included Klay Thompson in that conversation Klay Thompson is no longer the defender in 2024 than he was in 2016, it's time for the Warriors to rip the Band-Aid off. You have to move off of Klay Thompson. I understand you have this loyalty to Klay, and Klay is one of the greatest Warrior players in franchise history. He is one of the greatest shooters in NBA history. And I feel like Klay Thompson honestly deserves to have his jersey retired by the Golden State Warriors. 
but his best days are behind him. Rip the Band-Aid off, see what you can get for Klay Thompson, and try and contend for an NBA championship while you still have Steph Curry playing at an elite level. You got maybe a good two or three more years of Steph Curry playing at an elite level. Steph Curry is getting up there in age, and so you want to still be able to, 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 to take advantage of Steph Curry while he's still in his prime and playing at an elite level. And so if you can get back great assets for Klay Thompson, I feel like the Warriors need to make that move. Now, they already missed, passed up an opportunity to trade Klay. Trading deadline has came and went. But any offseason, if you are general manager Mike Dunleavy, Steve Kerr, and the Golden State Warriors owner Joe Lacob, you have to have a heart-to-heart with Klay Thompson and have a grown-up conversation. And you got to acknowledge, hey, your best days are behind you. We're not getting better with you on this team. And the thing is, like, I think Klay Thompson, because he had an opportunity to sign a new contract during the offseason. He's, he's seen Jordan Poole get a new contract from the Golden State Warriors, despite being traded. He's also seen Draymond Green get a new contract from the Golden State Warriors. And so I think also, Klay Thompson, it's in his head because he doesn't have a new contract and doesn't really know if he's ever going to get a huge payday again. I think that's also in his head. It's in his psyche. And I think it's affecting his play. But I still think Klay Thompson can contribute. I'm not sitting up here saying it's time for Klay Thompson to retire. I think Klay Thompson can still contribute. I do think prime Klay, those best days are behind him. Those, those days are gone. They have come and they're gone, especially considering his injury history with the torn ACL and the ruptured Achilles. But I still think Klay Thompson can contribute to a championship contender. I do. And sometimes we as people, we need a change of scenery. Could you imagine Klay Thompson on the L.A. Lakers? I've always thought about and fantasized about Klay Thompson playing with a player like LeBron James and Anthony Davis. Like, and I think he has ties to that Lakers organization. And if he played with the Lakers, he would be perfect with the Lakers as a shooter. He would be a perfect fit with the Lakers. Could you imagine Klay Thompson on the Milwaukee Bucks with Damian Lillard and Giannis and Chris Middleton as a shooter? So, again, I'm not saying Klay Thompson can no longer play. I just think his prime days are behind him. And to me, he can still contribute on a championship contender, but he needs a change of scenery. He needs a change of scenery. And I don't think Warriors fans are going to sell their season tickets if you move off of Klay Thompson. Move off of Klay Thompson, you retire his jersey, Maybe even build him a statue outside of the arena out there in San Francisco. But I think it's time to move off of Clay and, and, and see what you can get. And so I think if the Warriors want to be true championship contenders, they got to make some tough decisions and they have to have an uncomfortable conversation with Clay Thompson by season's end, for sure. You look at the Golden State Warriors, more money, more problems applies to this Golden State Warriors basketball team. The Warriors payroll this year is $208.2 million. 
That's the highest in the NBA this season. They're paying a lot of money to a lot of players. And right now, they are, I think they're 24 and 25. And they are 11th right now in the Western Conference. They, BPI, BPI, they project teams and how they're going to make the playoffs. They give them a 49% chance to make the playoffs. So we'll see. But um, I think the Warriors definitely need to move off of Klay Thompson and see what they can get for him. Everybody go and follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. We should have followed Wise Guys on Instagram at These Guys No Sports. I'll be right back. Uh, welcome back to Wise Guys. These Guys No Sports. Here live on the World Wide Sports Network. Everybody remember going to follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. Be sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram at Fees Guys No Sports. That number to dial is 513-203-8655. 513-203-8655. That is number to dial. Any particular topic you want to discuss, we could talk about it on the show this afternoon. Let's transition back to the NFL and let's go to the city of Washington, the nation's capital, Chocolate City. And let's talk about the Washington Commanders. As the Washington Commanders had two recent hires, the Commanders hired Dan Quinn as their new head coach, and they brought in Cliff Kingsbury as their new offensive coordinator in Washington. So when I heard the Commanders hire Dan Quinn, and Cliff Kingsbury. First, let's start off with Dan Quinn. When I heard they hired Dan Quinn, my immediate reaction was, this was a bad move. I didn't like the move at all. Dan Quinn, he knows his football, okay? He's forgotten more football than I know. But I had my questions about Dan Quinn when he was the head coach for the Atlanta Falcons. And let's not forget, Dan Quinn was the head coach of a team in the Super Bowl that gave up a 28-3 lead, okay? That, that's something I don't feel like Falcons fans will ever forgive Dan Quinn about, ever. I don't think Falcons fans will ever forgive Dan Quinn for giving up a 25-point lead in the Super Bowl. But when you look at Dan Quinn, he was the head coach of the Falcons from 2015 through 2020, right? His record in the regular season, not great. He was average, 43 and 42. He won 51% of his games. And in the postseason, he was 3 and 2. Overall record, 46 and 44. 51% of his games he won. He's average as a head coach. But he's a defensive coach as well. And to me, even as a defensive mind, last time we seen Dan Quinn in a meaningful game, Jordan Love and the Green Bay Packers, they hung 48 on Dan Quinn. Remember, Dan Quinn was the defensive coordinator for the Dallas Cowboys. And we gave Mike McCarthy all this criticism, and we said Mike McCarthy should be fired and they should move off of Mike McCarthy. We can't forget about the horrible, horrible job Dan Quinn did in the wildcard matchup against the Packers. I mean, Matt LaFleur coached circles around Dan Quinn in that game. 
And so as a defensive mind, the last time we saw Dan Quinn, it wasn't his best moment. It was not. And to me, also, where we're going in the NFL, it's an offensive league. And I feel like the, the commanders, they should have went and tried to hire an offensive mind. I think they tried to hire Johnson, I believe, the offensive coordinator for the, the Detroit Lions. But he declined the job. But I think it's an offensive league. And so I look at these teams who are having success in the NFL. Andy Reid's an offensive mind. Matt LaFleur is an offensive mind. Kyle Shanahan is an offensive mind. Okay? Zach Taylor with the Bengals is an offensive mind. Sean McVay, an offensive mind. So, to me, we're trending towards offense in the NFL and it's an offensive league. And so, you have to have a coach who knows offense. Otherwise, if you have a defensive coach in place, you better have an elite quarterback. You better have an elite quarterback. That's why the Seahawks had success with Pete Carroll, with Russell Wilson. Okay? That's why Mike Tomlin had success with Ben Roethlisberger. They had virtually good or elite quarterbacks. You can't have an average quarterback and a defensive coach. Bad, bad combination. You can't have a bad quarterback and a defensive coach. Look at the Jets this past year. Bad combination. Robert Sala and Zach Wilson. That's a bad, bad mix. So I think they should have went and tried to get an offensive mind. But another thing, when it comes to the commanders, they doubled down on their bad decision-making. Not only did they hire... Dan Quinn, they brought in Cliff Kingsbury. I don't understand for the life of me how the hell Cliff Kingsbury keeps getting opportunities in the NFL. How? Cliff Kingsbury has not had success anywhere since he's been a head coach in college at Texas Tech. He was 35 and 40, so he won 47% of his games. Then in Arizona, he was 28-37-1. He won 43% of his games, 0-1 in his one playoff appearance. How the hell does Cliff Kingsbury keep getting coaching opportunities? How? Can someone explain that to me? And the commanders had the nerve, the audacity to move off of Eric Bieniemy. They didn't want Eric Bieniemy. I'm like, what? what? what's going on? How does Cliff Kingsbury continue to get opp job opportunity after job opportunity, after job opportunity. Clearly, he has a relationship with his players. He got to have a great relationship with his players because it damn sure ain't coaching or success. 35 and 40 at Texas Tech, 28, 37 and 1 as the head coach of the Arizona Cardinals. Didn't have the best relationship with Kyler Murray. So I don't understand how Kingsbury keeps getting opportunities. But he's the offensive coordinator in OC now with Dan Quinn. But the main thing for the commanders, they got to figure out what they're going to do at quarterback. Sam Howell's not the answer. Are you going to move up in the draft and try to trade with the Bears to get Caleb Williams? Caleb Williams, he has a great relationship with Cliff Kingsbury. Maybe that's why the commanders brought in Cliff Kingsbury, because they wanted to have an opportunity to get Caleb Williams to the nation's capital. Now, Caleb Williams, not only does he have a great relationship with Kingsbury, he also is from the D.C. area. So maybe they're trying, to, they're trying to figure out a way to get Caleb Williams, who's a generational talent. But um, they got to get quarterback right. If they get Caleb Williams, maybe the Dan Quinn hire slash Cliff Kingsbury hire won't be so bad 
because you have a great, great generational talent to build around. And, and, I, and I like some of the skill position players the commanders have. You got Terry McLaurin at receiver. You got Dotson as well, okay? You got Curtis Samuel at receiver in your running back room. You got Brian Robinson, Antonio Gibson. I like some of the weapons that the commanders have. So we'll see what happens with the commanders moving forward. But I didn't like the hire when they hired Dan Quinn as their head coach, nor Cliff Kingsbury as their OC. But maybe they can get Caleb Williams, and it will offset those bad moves. But I'm not a big believer in Dan Quinn as a head coach, and damn sure not a believer in Cliff Kingsbury in any type of coaching role. He, he, he may be good as far as a relation, having relationships with his players, but he hasn't, he hasn't produced at a high level from a wins standpoint at all. Everybody go and follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H. Us on Facebook, Wise Guys. I'll be right back. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. And welcome back to Wise Guys. These guys know sports here live on the Worldwide Sports Network. Hey, remember to go and follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. And we should have followed Wise Guys on Instagram at These Guys Know Sports. I want to welcome to the show writer at the Dead Spin, Chris Party. Chris, what's up, bro? Trey, what's happening, dog? What's how are you this afternoon? How are you this afternoon? Oh, man, you know, I'm just hanging, getting ready for this game on Sunday. You know, we're less than, I guess, what, 48 hours away now. So, man, I'm ready to go. I just want to give your Packers their props because I have not been back on to give the Packers their props for uh, the season. I picked the Cowboys in that game uh, a couple few weeks back now, and the Packers uh, proved me and a lot of other people wrong. So I uh, want to give them their credit, and if not for a couple of bounces the wrong way, uh, they're probably – they could be in this game this Sunday. So, uh, good job, but you guys don't remind me, Chris. Y'all got something. Y'all got something good going there. Y'all, y'all are building. I give you that. Yeah, don't remind me of that, Chris. I don't want to. You know, I don't want to hear that, man. I, I, I'm already depressed, Chris. I gotta watch. I have to watch this Super Bowl, Chris. And it's the thing. So, you know, I respect the hell out of Patrick Mahomes, and I even respect the 49ers, right? But as a Packers fan, it hurts because we already beat the Chiefs this year. And we were in, we were in perfect position yeah. to beat them damn 49ers. And real quick, Chris, I'm gonna bring on one of my guy, probably two of my guys here shortly. They they 49er yeah. fan. They 49er fan. Oh man. Okay. Yeah, they 49. Yeah, I'm gonna bring them on with us. Hopefully, they can both tap in. It's uh, my man Christian and Brian. So they both big time 49er fans, right? But um, man, I, I I I'm gonna be depressed watching this Super Bowl, Chris, because it's a lose lose for me because for years. Like, I was always telling my family and friends, like, oh, Aaron Rodgers is better than Patrick Mahomes. He's better than Patrick Mahomes. He's better. He's better. And so we were, in our, we were in position, Chris, to win Super Bowls with Aaron Rodgers multiple times. Aaron Rodgers should damn sure be back in the Super Bowl. Want to welcome to the show my man and big-time 49er fan, Christian Bradley. Christian, what's up? What's going on? What's going on? We're going to talk some football. And I was just telling Chris – Christian, that we was just talking about, the, you know, the Super Bowl matchup and stuff. And so I was telling Chris, 
about how this Super Bowl, it's a, it's a lose-lose for me. Because for years, I had to hear about how Mahomes was better than Rodgers. And I thought Rodgers should have another Super Bowl by now. And I had to come to grips and come to terms with Mahomes being better. Then I also have to deal with the fact that them damn 49ers, they're the reason why Chris the, the Aaron Rodgers didn't get back to a Super Bowl. Them alone. Yeah. It's just them. So I can't stand the 49ers, and I'm not a – I respect Mahomes, but I'm not a fan. So that's a lose-lose for me. I'm ready to get – I hope the game ended in a tie. I, I wouldn't mind if it ended in a tie Sunday, to be honest. <laughs> You're probably the only person in the world rooting for a tie. With all these gamblers out here, nobody yeah. rooting for a tie. <laughs> a, a tie? Man, I don't – because I'm not a fan of either a team, tie? obviously. I mean, Man, that's, I, that's just ridiculous. I don't understand that at all. That kind of gives I'm bitter. me, gives me I'm bitter. that you would – I'm bitter, Chris. I'm bitter. Yeah, you sound like it. I've been trying to tell you this for years. I mean, you know, we bounced the Packers at the playoffs, I think. I want to say I could think of maybe four times, three it times. Has. Yeah, it happened. You know, 99, 99, you know, with the catch, with the catch, with the catch too, you know, sent Brett Favre home. And then we sent Aaron Rodgers home every, every year he's been, he's faced us in the playoffs, you know, every so trip. that's been amazing see, to see in my lifetime. And with that whole rivalry with the Niners Packers, if you go back to like the, the mid nineties, the Packers kind of had the Niners number yeah, a, a few, a few times there. And then we got into the new millennium. In, or towards the end of the 90s, and then it kind of started flipping, and then you got into the time with Harbaugh and those guys, and the Packers just couldn't do nothing. Since then, like, really the last 10, 12 years, the Packers haven't been able to do much with the Niners. At all. They, they just haven't. They haven't At been all. able to, for whatever reason, the Niners, no matter who the quarterback is, really, it seems, they they just can't do anything with the Niners. They can beat other teams. They can't beat the Niners, it. though. I don't, and, and to your point, Brett Favre was 4-1 against the Niners. Four yeah, and one. I'm saying like he had the number. Four and one, and the one <laughs> loss, Christian. You 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 alluded to it. That's when To had that. Oh my God, that broke my heart. Oh the catch, the, yeah, yeah. The that was catch wow, two, the second catch. That yeah, was one of the great. That was one of the greatest playoff coach catches I ever seen. One of the greatest. I remember I was I think uh, my first period of college when that happened. So uh, when that catch mm. happened. So I mean I have very vivid memories of that of that catch. Uh, you know, and uh, I mean because To dropped everything that catch. He dropped the fumble, oh, dropped everything, God. and yeah. uh, you know. <laughs> To uh, you know, and 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 it and it kind of it kind of alludes, you know, I, you know, kind of alludes to my quarterback with Brock Purdy's, you know, in this last game against the Packers, he didn't play well. Obviously, talking about conditions, you can talk about, you know, the the field, the, the this on the field, and um, Jordan Jordan loved to have a good game either, you know. He, I mean, I think with some chunk plays that happened, but when my quarterback needed to get it done, he marched down the field and sent y'all sad butts home. So I mean, you know, that's you know, that's that's what happens. You know, okay. I, 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 really, I feel you. you know, I feel you. I get it. We was right there. We was right there. We'll be, we'll be back. We'll be back. We will be back. Y'all been right there for y'all been y'all been right there for a long time. Y'all been right. Y'all was right there in two years ago in the, in the Tundra game when Debo's got that first down and Robbie Gold sent y'all home. Y'all was right there. Y'all was right there. Um, you know, I mean, y'all been right there for a long time. You know, y'all y'all been right there. It is a difference though, Christian. <laughs> it, right it's, there. it's a difference though because I'm gonna be honest. Like, and and I and I think Chris, man, you you can understand where I'm coming from when I say this. I love Aaron Rodgers. All-time great, one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. We had a toxic relationship with A-Rod. Jordan Love is a breath of fresh air. We got a young team. Definitely. We got we got a Definitely. young team. It's a little bit it's a little bit different, man. Like, yeah, it's a little bit different. But let, let's let's get to the Super Bowl. So, it's Super Bowl 53. Sure. Super Bowl 53. Yeah. Nin Niners favored yeah. by a point and a half. Two and a half. Yeah. Two and a half, two and a half. Over yeah. under 47.5. I, let me let me yep. let's go. To, I'll go to you, Christian, first, because I know you, your 49ers in the Super Bowl. As a fan, this is a great, great experience. What are your expectations for Super Bowl 53? I expect we're, we're a better team. I think we're we're a better team of a better roster than KC. Um, however, 
you have a quarterback who's an all-time great, but coaches are all-time great. So we can't start off slow the way we did the last two weeks. We we can't start off slow. You can't you can't give a twenty-four to seven lead to Patrick Mahomes. You can't give you can't be down. You know you can't start off slow. You, the defense has to play. My defense has to play. Um, and I'm not. I mean the, the twenty nineteen Super Bowl the defense played very well, and then we obviously had a couple of miss um, miscues from Jimmy. To my point, I think that we can win the game. I'm not. Speaking as a fan, speaking as a football savant, I really feel like we're a better football team. But Patrick Mahomes finds a way, man. You, you, you can't, you can't, you can't get that guy um, yeah. breathing room. You have to suffocate him. You have to make sure that he um, is uncomfortable. And if we can just do what we did at the beginning, the first 55 minutes of 2019, we can do that to him the first 55 <laughs> minutes and continue. And continue doing that through the, the through the sixty minutes. Yeah, we will be Super Bowl champions. If my defense play like it played against Detroit in the first half, we would not come back twenty four seven down to Mahomes. It, it won't happen. That's kind of what I was going to piggyback off of um, the defense because the strong point of this Niners team for the the past what five years. The strongest unit is just overall is the defense. The defense has been their calling card. Now, obviously, they have uh, Christian McCaffrey now on off offensively, and that helps a lot. But if that defense, if the run defense specifically, yeah, and and uh, Kansas City is not really known as a running team, although they've been able to run it a little better this second half of the season, especially in the playoffs too. If the Niners' run defense can't get it together, oh, it's going to be a long day. Because you also got to deal with Patrick Agreed. Mahomes and Agreed. all the wizardry that Agreed. Patrick can 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 do. If I'm if I'm Kyle Shanahan, if I'm the Niners, I'm going to ride Christian McCaffrey. It's the last game of the season. I know. During most of his career, he's been injury prone. But this yeah. is the Super Bowl. You gotta ride, you gotta ride that pony right there. You gotta ride that horse, ride him to now. I'm not saying it needs to be all running, but he's a dual threat. You gotta ride him. If if the game has to be solely, and I don't think it will be, obviously. This is not really the Niners MO, but solely on um Brock Purdy. And I think Brock Purdy is good. I think he's a little more than a game manager, how people are trying to make him out to be. But if it's gonna be solely, if it has to be solely on him offensively, like like you said, if the Niners fall behind. You're not going to win that game. I don't see them coming back from even 17-7 down to the Chiefs because you know the Chiefs are going to keep going. They're going to yeah, put they pedal to the metal. They're going to, especially right. if that defense is not clicking right. for the Niners, they're going to yeah. put pedal to the metal. Honestly, I thought the Lions let up in the second half because they thought the game was over. You had players on the side. Well, who was the guy that was waving goodbye to the crowd at half That was, uh, right was C.J. Gardner. Gardner. C.J. Yeah. Gardner. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, 45 minutes later, he got his head down on the sideline because he knew – it was too early to do that. Yeah. You don't do that because that never that never so ends up I'm, well when you do that. It never ends up well. I'm gonna push back. I'm gonna push back on the on the letter. I think the now again. I think I don't think the Lions let up. I think that we made adjustments in the second half. I do think there were some coaching miscues that Dan Campbell did not. Yeah. I think yeah. he made some really egregious coaching miscues. You kick a field goal. You don't go. You don't go. You don't go for it. Kick a field goal. Um, but that's what that's, their mantra was all year. They, they, had, they, had a, they had a turnover um, that, you know, and I think that I mean, you, you don't score 27 unanswered points if you let off off, off the off the wheel, right? I mean, we scored 27 unanswered points. Um, I think, again, they couldn't run the ball like, like they did in the second half or in the first half. I think there were certain – they only around eight, eight running plays, but the yeah. game kind of changed. And I think, that, I think that – I think, as I said, butts get tight when you've not been there before. And you have a coach who is all gas, as Robert Sala says, all gas, no breaks. But they had no breaks. It is all gas. Mm. And he should have, <laughs> and, and, and he, and he, you know, and he should have made some better decisions. Now, 
I respect wanting to make sure your 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 um your your team has confidence and you want to do what you've done all year. But again, I think next year they'll learn from this. You kick field goals, you move the scoreboard, oh, yeah. right? For sure. But I do, but I do think, but I do think that we capitalize off mistakes. Again, you don't score 27 unanswered points. Um, not by you know executing, and I think that and I'm going to push back a little on the Brock Purdy situation. I think like I say this all the time. I'm in HR. This is what I do for a living. I'm in HR, so we have policies and procedures that are in place to make sure that people execute. Yeah, I was to execute. Kyle Shanahan put together a game plan or an offense, whatever you want to call it, or a system that Brock Purdy has executed better than any quarterback that he's had probably since Matt Ryan. You know, as far as executing I in agree. a system. Oh. Agreed. You know, you have to ex. I mean, I mean, you. I mean, any, any, like this show. You know, Trey has a, a system that he has to make this show successful, and yeah. he brings on people, um, like yourself, um, Chris, that helps execute his vision in, in in the system. So when I hear system quarterback, it's not his fault that he executes well within the system, and now he's and as we've seen the last two weeks, he has made off schedule plays when plays break down. He's not been like a, I love Jimmy Garoppolo, love him to death, but he was able to use his feet to get yeah. out of situations, make, make make a throw, make some make some off schedule things that were outside of the system. So I just think the narrative of being a system quarterback, what's wrong with executing at a high level well, in the system that yeah. your coach or that your executives have put there? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, I don't think he's a system quarterback. I was speaking to others who think he is. I think he's more than that. I think he's a little more. Oh, I'm than sorry. Just, I'm sorry. I apologize. I was saying, well, I, I was saying I think I'm he's sorry. a little more than just a um a uh, game manager, system well, quarterback. You know, pretty much all the same thing. I think he's. Sure. More, I think he's more than that because we've seen gotcha. him. Well, like you said, we saw him two weeks ago. He didn't have a great game, but when he needed to make plays, he made plays. You know what yeah. I mean? So I think if you're right. if you're uh if you're a quarterback that can make the plays when your team needs you to. Like when it's on the line and you have to make plays, I think he can do that. And obviously, we saw was it four years ago in this same with this in this same game when it came down to it late in the game, Jimmy G couldn't make those throws. He was Max. overthrowing guys. He was, or he was, and, and we saw it all the time with Jimmy G where or getting throws would, batted down. Yeah, we or did throws get throws batted down, or he would just airmail the ball on a ten yard slant. To a, to a guy across the middle, yeah. and it would just be 10 feet above. Yeah. We saw that with Jimmy G. We don't see that, in my opinion, as often. But, no, I think Brock Purdy definitely follows the program like he's supposed to and executes exceptionally. I, I, I yeah. do. I really do. Well, I mean, well, he was in the MVP talks for a reason. Now, obviously, I don't think anyone agreed. thought he would really win it, but he was in the talks for most of the season for a reason. Yeah. Right. Well, yeah. well, well, I will say this, uh, and Christian knows this already, so this ain't no news to him. Chris, I am one of those people that believe that Brock Purdy is a system quarterback. I respect Brock Purdy, and he has shown me something over the last two weeks. I will admit, he did things that I I, I had I needed to see to believe, to, you know, to know. Like, because I said before the playoffs, I said, can Brock Purdy overcome a deficit in the playoffs? He did it twice. We was up seven on the 49ers in the fourth quarter, and the Lions were up 24-7 at half, and he overcame a seven-point deficit and beat the Packers in a 17-point deficit and beat the Lions. So he showed me something with that. I thought, I thought, like he he was he it was like I'm gonna be honest, like Brock Purdy to me is kind of he's a gamer. I'll be real, it's kind of he kind of like he kind of has intangibles, and I like that. That's good. And I will say this: I do think he's a system quarterback, but I'm gonna give him some credit too. Listen to me on this point. Similar to how I feel like the Niners can't go down, you know, and be down 17 to seven or 20 to 10 to the Chiefs. I also believe in reverse. If the Niners are up 20 to 10 
on the Chiefs or something in this Super Bowl, Brock Purdy is going to be able to make those throws that Jimmy G couldn't make. So I'm going to give him – I think Brock Purdy is significantly better than Jimmy G is. I'm going to tell you all that right now. He's way better than him. But I also Agreed. think – I also think that, again, there's levels to this. And, and I don't – I feel like Brock Purdy, he is a great, you know, player in that Shanahan system. He's not a great individual player to me necessarily. I think he can play. I want to be clear. I think he can play. But I don't think he is great yet. But I think if they got a lead in this Super Bowl, I think Brock Purdy can definitely – Bring them home. It makes sense. Going to push back a little bit, Trey, as well. So this is where I think that and I, I heard this from an executive, like on a podcast or a scout. I was a scout actually. Keyshawn Johnson says all the time on Undisputed. The reason why he don't get credit is because of where he was picked, right? Where he was picked. If, if this dude was, if this was Trey Lance, this is Trey Lance. If Trey Lance was doing the things that Brock Purdy has done, then everybody would, would be praising, you know, praising Brock. You know, Kyle Shanahan making this pick and everything else. But because yeah. So many people missed on him. He was mm. missed on. You know, that's that was the thing that's kind of saying. We, we, we got it wrong with him. We missed. We got it wrong. We were going about the intangibles, the arm. Like Zach Wilson is a is a prime example of being up off of arm talent or yeah. being drafted off of what you can actually do. You know what I'm saying? And Brock Purdy, for four years, played in the Big 12, you know, Oklahoma, Texas, you know, um, all these different schools for four years and have all their records. And he's smart. You know what I'm saying? So I think, and, and not to mention, it's his second year in the league. He came up with a major arm surgery. Yeah. He had no offseason yeah. last year, guys. He had no offseason. So imagine what he's going to do with the offseason. Imagine what he's going to do when he's able to not, he's not rehabbing. He's just, he's, he's just re, what are you going to do next year in that offense? You know yeah. what I'm saying? What are you going to do next year with a, with an offseason to study? You know what I'm saying? I think- I think another big part of that as well, why he doesn't get credit, is because many times when a quarterback has so many weapons, if you're not a Tom Brady or a Peyton Manning or a Patrick Mahomes, if you're not one of those guys, if you got a lot of weapons around you, you tend to not get as much credit as, as maybe you deserve. I think I'm that sure. can be part of it. Because once, okay. they added, once they added McCaffrey, you brought in, arguably, some would say he's the best back in the league. And if not, he's absolutely, absolutely. He's the best he top three. Absolutely, for sure. Once you brought that absolutely. guy in and you added him to Debo, Ayuk, and Kittles, uh, Kittle, then yeah. it's like, okay, now we have a full, fully formed offense Arsenal. here. Arsenal. And the quarterback, yep. we're not going to have to just rely on him. Now, so in that, in that instance, it almost doesn't matter what he does. You know what I mean? He's good. The other guys are going to get a lot of – until he gets paid, until he gets his big contract – the other guy, because of where he was drafted, like you said, Mr. Yep. Relevant, the last pick in the draft, he's going to be downplayed, right? Yeah. He's, he's just going to be downplayed it, sometimes. It's just going to happen. And it, and, it, and it sucks, guys, because, as, because again, me having an HR mindset here, the organ is like my company, TriHealth, is supposed to make sure that I have all the tools around me to do my job efficiently and effectively. Yeah. And just like just like you guys are in your careers, your 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 job or, or your your company supposed to make sure you have all the tools to be successful. And it just sucks. And I understand that he's he's making making nine hundred grand a year because he's not making fifty million that he can mm-hmm. be able the, the team can put people. Around. I get all that, but it's not it's not like they went out and got free agents. This all all these guys were drafted. Besides oh, McCaffrey no. and Trent Williams. Yeah. They drafted all these guys, and, and you check. Everybody's been drafted. Everybody's been drafted. Everybody's been developed. Everybody in the office has been drafted and developed, and here we are. So I just I just really wish that, to, to your point, Chris, I understand that 
he will get the flight because of the weapons in his draft position. But the, the, the organization did what they were supposed to do. Put oh, no, no weapons doubt. around yeah, him, for sure. around the quarterback. And I'm not, I'm not pushing back on your point because you're right on that. It just sucks that from, the, from a national media standpoint and pundits and everybody else on, on God's internet, that he's only a system because of his weapons. That's what the job, that's what he's supposed to do. Put weapons, yeah. that's what the issue with in Green Bay for years. They ain't going to get wide receivers for, um, for, um, for um, Aaron Rodgers, right? They ain't yeah. draft receivers for him and get okay. things for him, right? Yeah. So that was yeah. the issue for years. So right. why are we holding this young man accountable for what the organization was supposed to do in the first place? Agree. I agree with that a thousand percent, fellas. I, 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 don't, I don't understand it. I, I yeah, don't understand I when you're supposed to put weapons around him. No, I was going to say, I agree with that. I agree with everything y'all said. I got a couple more minutes. Real quick, can y'all both give me an X factor for the Super Bowl? Like, for, for you, for you, Chris, who you feel like is the X factor? And you can follow up, Christian. Like, who you feel like is the X factor for both teams to, to, for, to, to be able to come away with a win on Sunday? That Niners run defense. They, they got to get that. And honestly, they haven't been getting a lot of pressure lately. The, 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 the front four, they haven't been getting pressure like they were, you know, I guess earlier in the season. They just yeah. haven't been getting pressure. So that's a, that's a big factor for me. The run defense and getting pressure with four, not having to uh, send, send any extra guys. Send it, they, I don't know what happened. It seems like overnight, I guess, when they lost those three games in the middle of the season, just it seemed like from then on, they got less pressure with, with the, the front four guys, but they got some dogs up there. I mean, I know... Chase Young is not what he was his rookie year. He's had some injuries, but, you know, and he hasn't been with the team that long. I get it. But adding another body like that, a guy that can get after the quarterback, you would just think they should, they should be able to pin their ears back and just go. But it hasn't happened. So if they can get that on track, get that run defense on track, they're in good, uh, they're in, they're in a good space. And then also on offense, I think Brandon Ayuk, Brandon, Brandon Ayuk has a, has a big game. I think the Niners probably win this game. I think okay. The win this Brandon Ayuk is your uh, X factor yeah, for the Niners. He's my X okay. factor for the for the offense, definitely. He's the X okay. factor. What you got for the other Chiefs? Your X factor for Mahomes. He spreads it around so much. I don't think necessarily one guy needs a big game, but it's one of those things where you got Travis Kelsey, who you know before the playoffs is like, oh, he's getting old and he's falling off, and then he comes out in, in the in the the three playoff games, and he's been kind of looking like he's back on track. They got to keep Travis Kelsey in check. The Niners do. If Travis Kelsey has one of those, you know, 10 reception games, 120-something yards, couple touchdowns, it's going to be a long day. It's just, yeah. just going to be a long day because you know Mahomes is going to make the plays when it comes time to. Now, it, it may come down to a situation where we're in a close game and the Niners have the ball late. Now, that's on the uh, – that'll be on obviously on the Chiefs' defense, but the Mahomes is going to have them, in my opinion, in the game at, at the least. But if Kelsey has one of those games and he just gets off, yeah, it's gonna be a long day for, yeah, for sure. It's I gonna be a long day. Who your X factor for your 49ers, Christian, to win this game? Like one player, Chase Young. Um, he was called out last week. I'm um, doing the Lions game. Um, a lot of people was calling him out on the internet and also with the effort piece. I mean, Bosa's gonna do what he does on that other side. And to Chris's point, um, we haven't been getting pressure, I think, because. We did the first couple of games Chase Young was there, but then I think he has kind of regressed back to the rumors of him being kind of mm. takes plays off. And yeah. it was evident in the Lions game. Like, I mean, from from a, the first half, I, that was a defense I recognized. I was like, I was like, who like who is this? Like this defense, did. we don't get gashed like this. Like I, nobody did. Like I didn't recognize, I'm like, we don't get gashed like this, you know. So, you know, so I think Chase now second half, Chase Young played a lot better. The whole defense played a lot better second half. Yeah. So I think that I'm gonna say two X factors: Chase Young and Ambry Thomas. 
Ambry Thomas is the is the, is the um, left the left corner that comes in when we um, I think play a nickel because um, um, Demo Lenore goes into the um, slot and then Ambry Thomas goes in outside and he had a couple of uh, you know um, penalties especially against the Packers game when we were was third and forever and he yeah. grabs whoever that was on third and forever. Um, I don't even know how it even happens. So I think that, I mean, my defense is the X factor. I, I'm very confident that Kyle's only going to get a lot of dose to Christian McCaffrey. I think there's going to be a lot of dose to Debo. Um, Kittle, I think, gonna be, I think we're going to be fine. I, it's, it's the defense. We have to, we have to play. We have to get, have to crowd Mahomes, make, make Mahomes uncomfortable. You can't let him scramble. He has to stay in the pocket. We got to get there. We got to take away his first read. So Bosa yeah. and those in Hargrave and Armstead can get in and take care of business. We have to make it uncomfortable for dude. If we yeah. can play like we did the first 55 minutes of the, of the Super Bowl of the one four years ago, if we could play like that the whole game this one, he don't have Tyreek Hill. He don't have some of those other weapons he had in 2019. You know, if we can make do that, we'll, we'll, we will win this game. But we can't. Okay. We got to we gotta start off fast. Give me, give me, give me real quick, Christian. And Chris, Christian, real quick, I got I to I run, fellow. Give me, Christian, give me your score and Super Bowl MVP. I'm going to say 30, 20. Two Niners, Chris McCaffrey MVP. What you got, Chris? I got the Niners. I've been I picked the Niners last year, and we know what happened with the Eagles game. I'm I'm gonna stick with them this year, even though it's hard to go against Mahomes and Reed. But I think the Niners are gonna get it done. Um, 21-19, and I would say McCaffrey is gonna be the MVP. Oh, okay. Y'all both got McCaffrey. I got the Chiefs 28-21, and I got Mahomes obviously winning his third Super Bowl MVP. I think it's gonna be a great game, fellas. For sure, I'm gonna bring. I, I'm gonna. I want to bring y'all on next week because I want to. I want to recap the game. I gotta get yeah. out of here right now though. But I definitely want to bring y'all back on next week, Christian. We here in the city, man. I'm gonna hit you up, man. I, I definitely want. I might pull up on you for sure and come holler at you, man. And, uh, you know, because it's exciting as a fan when your team in the Super Bowl. I'm sorry you haven't experienced that since 2010. I'm. I'm sorry that you haven't experienced that. <laughs> but the thing is, you want to say that, but it's funny, Chris. He's saying that they didn't. They didn't win. And, they didn't went to the Super Bowl and lost. When we go, we win. When we make it, we win. They ain't won in a while. So yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you, I mean, you, 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 you won a '95, and then then went in 15 years in 2010. So I get it. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, yeah. You no, know, I understand. For sure. So, Thank you. For, I appreciate you, you fellas, know. for joining me. Like I said, I'm gonna definitely bring you on. We can talk more sure. next week for sure. Sounds good. Show, Thank y'all. Take care, on, brother. Appreciate it. All appreciate right. it, Chris. Thank you. Appreciate it. That was Christian Bradley, big time 49er fan, and my man Chris Partee from the Dead Spin. He's a writer for Dead Spin as well. Hey, everybody, enjoy Super Bowl 53. Between the San Francisco 49ers and the Kansas City Chiefs, I'm Trey Larkin signing off. Have a good weekend, everybody. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.